we're back. All right. I, I, uh, we're, we're back Soccer Mom Sunday, but online style. So I'm looking at you. You're looking at me in a bedroom. <laughs> I'm looking at you, and it looks like you're hovering above City Park, but you're not. That's just a background. <laughs> no, it's, well, I've got pool. I've got pool, you know, we just. Uh... Or it's the best seats ever. The best the best uh, high-rise party you could ever throw in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the uh, digital version of the towers that'll be next to the stadium here in a couple years. So Nice. Is that, or have you asked Carolyn Kendall, is, is where you're sitting in the future plans for development, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I said, hey, I've got so- an idea. Soccer dad pod style. Yeah, I sent her a big banner. Say, I have an idea. Here we go. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm sure it's top of her list. It's good. So we're, you know, our soccer mom Sundays, of course, drop on Sundays, but it is Friday on a week where literally several days a week I couldn't keep track of which day it was. So that would happy be, holidays. Yeah, I was gonna say that would be the holiday season. <laughs> Welcome to the holidays. Um, and final. So uh, final started for my older two today. Uh, my okay. my senior doesn't seem to care, but my freshman is definitely, you know, nervous about it. So, well, I mean, that's pretty typical of high school kids. I mean, seniors already figured it out. They're like, look, my GPA is not moving <laughs> and or they already made their up their minds. Freshmen and freshmen are like, I've never done this before. Yeah. And then sophomores yeah. are like, "Ooh, this matters. Right. You know, yes. So. The senior has already run. If he has spent as much time studying as he did running equations on how little he could score to still maintain his grade. I'm like, if he just studied, you wouldn't have to worry about any of that stuff. He's like, no, I'm good, mom. I got it. No, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, back at my middle, who's a freshman, um, first year of taking finals, came home the other day. He's like, oh, dad, have you heard about this app? And I'm like, no, I haven't heard about this app. And he's like, so what we can do is we can take all of our grades, percentages, and then figure out the equation as to what is the lowest number we can get on oh the final my to God. maintain increase or decrease. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, that is, that's a horrible app, a horrible <laughs> idea, because there's like... And slightly genius. <laughs> I, it was probably a kid that invented it, you know, of so, but... Uh, Maybe no. that's what my son's been working on this whole time while not studying. <laughs> no, it's just like I, I contextually, you know, you start to take that simple example of, okay, so you're sitting at a 91. I can, or no, maybe you're at a 90. I can get a 98 to get up to a 92, or I only need an 81 to keep my 90 and, you know, or whatever the numbers are. And it's just like, it's the lowest common denominator. You know, if you if you well, give if you give a low Gen bar, Z. oh my god, <laughs> Gen Z, this is like you put decimal points behind it at this point. They don't know. Oh, so we had a nice talk. Our last one with Christy Jones Gable, who, you know, mom, soccer mom of a senior, uh, who's had his last go around in terms of soccer on a high school level, and then uh, like my daughter uh, has, I've coached her daughter as a freshman this year, and hoping she'll be trying out. Let's all pray for her, for Coach Guns, who's going to be tough. And I love that. Um, uh, Dee's going to try out for Coach Guns in the spring. And, you know, talking about her journey as a soccer player, a competitive swimmer. She's just competitive in everything, just so everybody mm-hmm. knows that she didn't make that clear. And then, you know, parenting the two children who I know them, who are very different from one another and kind of require a different mm, approach, I guess, when it comes to the competitive game. No, it was cool because I think it's one of those things that through these conversations, there's, 
kind of the billboard, the headline expectations of, you know, what parents are looking to hear from a coach or a recruit or whatever. But within these conversations, it's almost as if, okay, let's get to chapter four and, you know, (laughs) let's get a little bit deeper into, you know, what, what, what works within certain environments and, you know, in her, her process, her and her husband's process with her kids from really the thing that stood out to me was allow, they allow their kids to script their narratives, you know, write their own story and move forward. But most importantly, they're responsible for the decisions based upon what they want, you know, not, uh, you know, not too much on the expectation side, which is cool. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and and true to form, I know her personally, and, and that's exactly how they've done it. Um, having one kid choose the private school route for his development, and then the other one could have done that, actually going to the sister school of, of that uh, and decided, you know, the, the local public school would be best for her. And, and witnessing, I was able to witness and be a part of some of those decisions. So that was really cool, uh, giving them that power to do that. And then, like you said, deal with any repercussions or or what those what that looks like for their journey, not joysticking, put it that way. Yeah. Their uh, their kids' decisions. Well, speaking of uh, kind of talking to somebody who's well known in this space, um, I'd like to have a warm welcome to Kelly Oberly, who joins us from. So she's from St. Louis, but she transplanted to California and never looked back. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> hey, Jen. How are you? <laughs> So, JV, Kelly, kind of accurate. Yeah, Kelly and I met on, I want to say, I think Kelly, we, Jen Brooks, who's been on our podcast, JB, um, she has her monthly athletic director call uh, for her global community of women in sports. And I believe I caught, I was on one where you were like the featured speaker, you had just joined and we connected that way. And you being in kind of the same, <laughs> pun intended, headspace that I'm in, in terms of approaching uh, not only do you work on competition athletically, but you also work in the in the workspace, you know, uh, uh, organizations of approaching uh, things mentally. Um, would like to hear, first of all, in talking with you, you're an athlete as well on the softball side of things. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your journey as an athlete? Um, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I grew up in St. Louis um, and so I was born and raised uh, until I was 18. I was a softball player, so I ended up uh, going to Northwestern and playing softball at Northwestern. Um, so I detoured to Chicago and then moved uh, after I graduated. Uh, I stayed about a year and then I moved out to Southern California. And so um, I played, you know, in college. And then after I went straight into corporate, so I went into corporate leadership. And then um, I've continued to play, not, not at the level that, that I, I used to, but I continue. Oh, you're to still competitive. You text me after I, some of those competitions and are like, Oh, <laughs> I might be a little, I might still have that competitive gene. Uh, but uh, so I moved out and then I ended up actually doing a little coaching through my corporate career. Um, I left and did consulting and I coached a high school softball team for a little while. And I've done a lot with youth sports and things like that. And I have three of my own, little youth people. <laughs> so yeah, remind um, me of their ages again. We've talked before. You've got one older. Yeah. Uh, I have one who is a senior in high school and then I've got twins that are in eighth grade. So, um, and so my senior is a girl and then I've got uh, boy, girl twins 
that that are in eighth grade. So, and I actually did. My son played soccer up until he was twelve. There, he's fourteen now, um, and so I coached him a couple of years. So that was an adventure. Uh, he's the only soccer soccer kid in the the family. Yeah. So, um, in in thinking about that, I remember us talking a little bit about their different journeys as well. Um, you know, one, you know, different ones being more competitive than the other. Um, you, you know, going to Northwestern—that's no joke. I, I don't know if it's the same kind of program, but that is a serious softball program. I think it always has been. No, <laughs> it, it's been pretty competitive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they've taken it to um, a next level, but there's. Um, the years I went there, we had some really, really good players that went through there. So it's it's always been super competitive. Uh, all their women's sports are. Um, that's just been like their lacrosse, their field hockey. They they just uh, kind of dominated in a lot of ways. And when it comes to your kids, I believe you mentioned the 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 boy being in soccer. One of your was it is it the twin girl or the older one that was in cheer um, that we talked about? <laughs> they both do cheer. So um, my oldest actually took some time off of cheer and decided her senior year to go back into cheer and ended up making varsity cheer. And cheer is a totally different world. Yeah. Um, you were telling me about it and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I don't think I'm cut out for that. Yeah. yeah and then my I, younger I, daughter, I think she's uh, probably going to do cheer in high school. They're, you know, they're trying to decide it's, it's super competitive. I mean, just like it is in St. Louis all the sports are are pretty competitive and uh, I, my kids are competitive but they're not they they like other things so they're they they can't they're not i guess committed to just one thing right now so sometimes that can i think we've talked about that that can you can lose kids that way because you know if you're not on a track even though a lot of research says don't be on a track um, too soon. If you're not on a track, you, it, you know, we're looking at high school and my older daughter had her freshman year was like, I want to, you know, try out for volleyball. And we were like, Oh, great. You know? So she, she had played volleyball a little, she made a club team. She went out for a freshman year and didn't make it. And it was not even on, you know, they, they kept just a certain amount of kids. And so it was, it was kind of eye opening because she's, you know, she's athletic, but she's not a, you know, a high club player. And so sometimes you you're looking for that spot where kids who want to play, but maybe haven't had that specialization for so long, where do they go? Especially when it comes to high school. After before high school, there's a lot of opportunity. Once you're in high school, it's tougher. And then actually as adults, it's easier. So it's, it's kind of a the the high school area is where I think we're losing a lot of kids. So I went off on a different tangent. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, not at all. JB, did you have something? You, well, I was just going to ask a question. Um, <clears throat> uh, Kelly, you, you, you grew up here. When, when did you leave? At what point did you leave St. Louis? You want to ask her about high school, don't you? I just know you do. <laughs> no, I just want to kind of get a frame of reference because obviously, you know, you were a competitive uh, athlete as a kid, obviously leading up to your collegiate years. So I'm trying to get a feel for the time frame and um, start to apply it to what you were just talking about in, in looking at your own children and that expectation of, uh, of, uh, of pathway or committing to a sport because St. Louis, you know, obviously within the soccer environment 
and it, baseball too, baseball and softball are mm-hmm. super powerful sports here, not only in the Midwest, but relevant nationally. So I'm just trying to frame your mindset from your own experience. <laughs> so um, I, so I graduated, I went to Parkway South. If that's I was um, part of the Parkway system and I graduated in 86. So I left St. Louis in 86. Um, I came back, I think, one summer and then I spent the, most, the rest of my time in Chicago and I graduated in 90. And so I was a dual sport. So I was basketball and softball um, all growing up. And I, even at that, that long ago, because that was a long time ago, <laughs> we, you know, it was like, you need to pick a sport, you need to pick a sport. Um, and and I think in high school, it, it makes sense to really start to specialize. And there's different, I mean, there's different views on it. But that cross training, I think is, um, is super important. But like, it, for a frame of reference, like we didn't have personal coaches, like you had your coach, you didn't have specialty coaches, things like that. Those were coming, I think, in the 90s, I think. Okay, cool. Um, does that yeah, help? And, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I wanted to call out right away, and I don't know that I even told JB this, but you've, you've listened to So thank you for being a listener from California. We appreciate that, of course. Uh, Soccer Dad Pod and Soccer Mom Sunday. But I know that... Um, after one particular episode that we did, you and I had had, I think I had to pick up a kid really late out at Slice JB. So, you know, that's how far I, I was. And, <laughs> and it was like an eight o'clock game. So they weren't done until 930. And, and Kelly and I were chatting on the phone um, a little bit. And the Twelman sisters at that episode had dropped, which was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, I'm going to have to like, hide or- a little bit more. Organized chaos. Organized chaos. A lot of microphones, a lot of voices. <laughs> But I thought it's fair to call out because you made you Kelly, well, you said something that made me think a little bit a little bit differently. And, and granted, we were having a lot of fun. And these are sisters who are competitive in their own right at different levels and in different games and have their kids, you know, older kids. And then one of them has one's kids that are just entering kind of the fray. Um, and we were talking about high school and that always, of course, in St. Louis and and uh, brings about a, a hot debate. But on on kind of the overall or overarching view there on that side with the Twelman sisters, one had coached, you know, talking a little bit about what I liked that Carrie said was that she was talking about, you know, don't keep 25 people on your roster right in high school. Uh, if, if And of course, Susie Soccer came up as a as a general name. But, you know, if Susie Soccer is not going to play don't have her on on the roster kind of a deal in order to be a blood to be a filler but you brought up a really good point with me or you you had said you know what about the kids though that want also want the experience but maybe aren't the highest club level players am i getting that kind of right the way you and i were talking about it yeah and first off i love your podcast so i have been listening so. <laughs> we appreciate it <laughs> and, and i love like rem- like remembering st louis so i always laugh when you are you're talking about St. Louis and high school and, and things like that. It almost brings me back. Yeah, right. <laughs> almost. We can't quite get you here, can we? Yeah. <laughs> I come home every once in yeah. a while. My sister still lives well, there. Well, wait till you see the weather here now. I mean, it'll really get you back fast. So. <laughs> I actually, so like two days ago, I was talking to one of my friends and she's like, oh, it's it's cold here. I'm like, yeah, it's cold here too. And she's like, oh, it's 39. I'm like, oh, it's 60. 
<laughs> that's not, it's cold. you know better. <laughs> uh, but no, getting so I think it's and and I actually I, I'm working with a program right now where they um, they're a varsity program, but they have 20 kids, and so they don't have enough to do a JV program. This is for softball. Um, so they're trying to figure out, do they cut, like, do they cut the kids or do they keep them and just be really clear about what expectations are, be very clear with the parents, be very clear with the kids. Do you have enough help that you can have them, you know, be working on their skills and improving their skills, but understand that they're going to be part of the team, but they may not see as much playing time, which I mean, there are, you know, good players that don't see a lot of playing time also in, in some programs. And so the question is, are you trying to give the kids, and, and I don't know the right answer, and I think it depends on the coach and the program, but, you know, are these kids that as a freshman or a sophomore could really develop? Um, if you don't, if, if you cut them, they may never come back. So do you try to keep them in your program and build a program that way? Or you know, do you say, hey, like, like, you know, Michael Jordan, you're cut, and then he goes out all summer and works and throws five inches or whatever, and, and comes back and makes the team, you know, so there's, there's different philosophies on it. Um, but I do think sometimes in high school, um, certain high schools do have this level that, that they have to perform, you know, that, that they've got, um, they've got the talent that's coming through, and they, they're expected to perform at a high level. Um, but I don't know if every school is like that or if every school needs to be like that. Does Ke that kind of make sense? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Kelly, I have, a, I have a question just kind of, um, you know, Jen just brought up from the Twelman sister episode in which, you know, we were kind of creating a hypothetical individual that, you know, is in a no cut world and, you know, it's important to make sure that those that, you know, previously would have been cut that are now not getting cut, you know, they have the right to the experience, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, but in, in the world of actual, you know, for the teams that and the players that do thrive, like yourself when you played softball, like Jen and myself in, in our soccer careers, et cetera, you make the team because you deserve it. You're playing because you deserve it. You win and lose because of the nature of the game. And so many times in our experiences, you know, the, the, the saying, you know, you, you learn more from losing than you do from winning. Um, do you think that kind of constantly trying to create an environment for everyone in sport in particular, um, do you think there's diminishing returns at some point because, we are expanding the populace to include individuals that we know that like if they do make the field because it's a no cut world, what are we really, are we setting them up for success or are we putting them on a perilous route to kind of emphasize their shortcomings? So it's just a generic question there. Yeah, no, and I think it's I think it's a really good question. I also think it's kind of nuanced a little bit. Sure. And so sometimes I go back to like, if you think about practice squads, like you have practice squads out there that they're never going to see playing time. 
um, but they're they're going to give 100% effort. Like, I mean, Jen think about the movie that. Rudy, right? Rudy with isn't it Notre? Yeah. Wasn't it Notre Dame? You think about don't, that word. Don't mention Rudy around Zach, by the way, Jen. Okay, he okay. loses his mind. Like <laughs> Rudy, that's not real. So anyway, but every time it comes up, it's like it's like. But the, to your point, there are literal places that you can go where you make the practice squad. That is what you make, right? Yeah, and and you know, I think it's it's one of the the things is what is youth sports about, and what's high school sports about, and what's kind of the purpose. But I don't think you keep a kid that you know is forced to be there, who doesn't have any athletic really isn't really looking to to gain any athletic ability, doesn't have the attitude and the effort that you're looking for. You know, I would keep a kid that has attitude and effort over skill that doesn't perform attitude and effort. So like a high skill player that won't show effort or won't show or has a poor attitude, you know, that can be very detrimental to the team. And so I don't I don't believe in like a no cut sport rule, but I think you have to look at like is there a way, is there a tier system, is there something that you can do where kids are going out and they're really they want to be out there and they want to work and they want to get better but they're not at that ability right now. Does that, does yeah. that make sense? As yeah. opposed to like, everyone makes it no matter if you try or you don't try or you're, you know, and yes, playing time is a totally different story, you know, how much you play. But I do think like I've seen programs around here, flag football has been a big one. And, you know, we've, we've seen some programs that did really well and they didn't really play a lot of the kids and they could have because they were up by a lot. And so it's like, you know, soccer is obviously completely different because of your sub limits and things like that. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I kind of look at it from the standpoint and I'm going to use soccer as just kind of the example, you know, in a no cut world, you know, especially here in St. Louis now, and Jen can attest to this, you'll see squads that have a roster of 25, even 30. Um, and when you break it down, the way I look at it, based on th the context of our conversation here you have kind of a, a, a best seven or eight that you know are going to be starters. You've got a next batch of six to seven that are in competition for that third, fourth, fifth slot or uh, the, the last three slots on the field to start. And then your first three subs in or whatever that math looks like. And then historically, you would have a roster of 18, maybe 22 can't dress. You've got this bottom third of players that, they're part of the team, but they kind of know their role. They know that maybe it's going to be limited minutes, maybe it's going to be limited roles or specialty roles. But now we're in a world where you extend that out to where that bottom third is because the top 14 isn't going to change. Those, those 14 or so are going to be the same players in any of these scenarios. But you're really expanding the, the have-nots, for lack of a better word, in in you know, I'm sorry if, if I'm offending a listener, but we're, we're pulling kids into larger and larger groups of lesser performance at that level at in within that segment of these teams. Where's the value there? Who are we really helping uh, or who or more importantly, who are we placating that's created this environment? Yeah, I, I don't, like I said, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think there's got to be <clears throat> more of a middle ground. 
of where, you know, I think I think you raise all the the points of how do you, you know, is that why intramurals exist in college, right? Is that why rec leagues exist? Yeah. You know, it growing up, do you figure out like like in our middle school, they've been adding like volleyball and track, and I think they're doing wrestling now so that they get the kids exposed. Um, you know, and it's middle school, anyone can come out and you know, you you find that it's something that, you know, they they have teacher volunteers and things like that. So you wonder in high school, is there like a system that you could create that's an intramural system, or is maybe is that what PE is supposed to be, right? Mm. Um, so I don't, you know, and, and I don't know, I guess the other question is, I don't know how many kids, like we know in this area, you get a lot of kids that try out, and so you end up cutting a lot of kids. Um, so in St. Louis, that would be the question is, are you cutting a lot of kids? You know, is there is there enough to have, you know, freshman JV, varsity teams um and, B you know, and i do I like yeah. i can tell you having watched my kids do cheer like i would be that kid that would never get be picked like <laughs> cheer's not my sport mm-hmm. um and so i think you know sometimes it's trying to find what that sport is for for kids and i don't know if at high school is where that responsibility lies anymore or if it's more in you know middle school um to to give kids opportunities to to play but it's it i think when jen and i were talking it was it was interesting because i was saying like i do think there are some coaches that their whole focus is on on winning and maybe they could keep a couple of more kids that could help the kids in the development side and not hurt the the team sure does yeah and remind me kelly i think i always learn jb something new like every episode we do right i learned that in our, our friend in Tampa, in Florida, that when it comes to the sport that soccer, soccer mom Sunday is mostly about soccer, there's a difference. You know, the the kid, the girls play in the winter versus in St. Louis, they play in the spring. And just learning that they that it, the high school and club doesn't always work the same way state to state. And Kelly, I think you pointed out to me, was there is there a relationship between high school and club coaching that I I. I remember you saying something and it was something very different than what's here, like the high school coaches or club coaches as well, or there's a relationship there. Yeah. So club, um, what real, real quick, what, what area, what part of California are you in that? I'm in, um, I'm in Southern California. So I live in like the Yorba Linda Anaheim area. So I live by Disney world. Or Disneyland. Uh, Disneyland. Got it, got it. I don't live well, that close to it, but well, um, when my kids yeah. hear this, they're gonna pack their bags and they're coming to your house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I live by Disneyland and Anaheim Angels, who are not very popular right now because of Otani. So, <laughs> so well, look at it this way: you just saved seven hundred million dollars. That's not a bad yeah. deal. <laughs> well, I was a huge Pujols fan, and I was really happy that he came here. But um, I'm a Cardinal fan, and so I was kind of. That wouldn't have been a good deal for the Cardinals long-term either. So no. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so here, my understanding is that club, there are club coaches that are coaching um, all the different sports, including soccer. So soccer is being played right now. Soccer season just started in high school here. Um, okay. So, boys and girls, by the way, do you know? Uh, girls soccer, I think boys is in the spring. Okay, so, that's really different. I mean, from here, yeah. <laughs> it's like opposite. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 
pretty sure, boys, I was going to kind of look really quick. Um, I, I think that's right, because I think that yeah. California was the few states outside of the what I call the SEC world where they moved soccer uh, opposite of football because big football states are always fall sports. Uh, so in California's obviously got a tremendous high school football scene. Um, so I, I, I believe they play spring too. Actually boys just at least, uh, they, they just played a game the other day. So maybe, oh, wow. maybe, maybe they are, um, yeah, I guess maybe, yeah, boys soccer is playing right now. Um, and it does not look like then maybe, but girls is started too. So I think they both start right now. So they're winner. They're it's a, it's they're a winter. winter. Yeah. yeah okay. This is, this is considered winter. Um, yeah. Cause I know girls volleyball was fall with, um, and then softball is spring. Um, flag football was, I don't know if you have flag football, but flag football for girls is huge. It, it, this was the, the inaugural inaugural season. And wow. so it pulled a lot of athletes from um, softball and soccer and women's basketball, women's basketball, women's and men's basketball start right now. So that I think is universal nationally. Cool. They're all in basketball. But yeah, you were saying something about um, club coaches and, and, and I, I don't know that we have a lot of that JB around us is club coaches that, that also coach high school. I don't, I don't think they do that. No, and the, what the, kind of different variables that lends the equation. Yeah. Those are unicorns in our backyard. Uh, the, if they do typically is a, a much lower level club team um, to the point where it's probably approaching rec just to do it. But anyway. Yeah. in the club um, club, there are club coaches coaching. Um, and so that, you know, depending on who you listen to, you know, it's all kind of hearsay of how that, how that goes. Um, and there's obviously dead periods. And then there's periods where you can't like the coaches, you know, the, they may be coaching a club team, but if they're coaching high school, you know, their focus is on high school. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of clubs out here. It's super competitive, just like it is in, in St. Louis. Um, and now that we have a, uh, you know, both the men's and women's professional soccer team with the angels, uh, that's, you know, I think they're really trying to hype up, um, soccer out here. Does that at all lend any, do you know, difficulty or maybe help if a club coach is also a high school coach, are they able to take into account, like we have pretty strict rules here in Missouri that, you know, when you're a, if you're a club player, if you're going to play club, you do not play high school ball at the same time. I don't know if those rules are the same or if be, being able to cross, you know, being a club coach who's also coaching high school, would that make you more empathetic to an athlete's choice if they have to make that choice in California? Uh, so I don't know. I, I couldn't speak. Um, I know that. So when I coached, like say so softball, for example, your club coaches always want you playing for the club. Like that's, you know, 90% of the time they want you, um, you know, putting most of your effort into to club. And, but with soccer, 
you know, I think some of the coaches that are their club coaches, their kids are also going to their schools. So I'm, I think then the emphasis would be on your high school season and then your club season. I don't think it overlaps the same way in St. Louis where you sometimes have to make decisions. Am I going to play club or am I going to play high school? Right. Right. Yeah. I, that I don't think is happening here as much. Um, and I think it's a lot of pressure to put on kids. Like I've listened to some of your discussions and, and there's, kind of to, I think back to my high school experience and it, it was great playing. It was great playing basketball and it was great playing softball. Um, because even when you, if you get the opportunity, which a lot of people don't, you know, I feel fortunate I got the opportunity to play in college. You're you're playing for your school, but playing for your high school, I, like I, that's what I told my kids is playing for your high school is, it's just a cool experience. Like you want to be able to do it at least once. Um, but if you're a high level athlete and you're looking to go to that next step, I can understand why high school sometimes may not be the right choice for you. You know, just like, you know, kids are, you know, especially female soccer players, but also male are having to make decisions at 18. Like, do I go to high school? Do I go pro or do I go college or do I go pro? Yeah, um, we have one here 16. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, we have out here in um, California you know, two sisters, I mean, one on the national team and then the other just signed with um, Angel FC. So, you know, both right out of high school. So, it's, well, I mean, it's cool. It's great. I couldn't have well, imagined it when we were, well, when I was younger. Well, you know, you know, right in your backyard is uh, uh, Irvine Strikers, the mm -hmm. soccer club. Well, Don yeah. Ebert, Mr. Don Ebert from the Steamers is the uh, technical director of the club. You know, and they what they have been funneling kids uh, overseas to pro. And, you know, when we talk to him, it's just a non-starter when you when when you look at kind of the elevated level of these kids today, you know, it, in any sport, really. I mean, they're just so much bigger, faster, smarter, you, you name whatever the descriptor is. Um, I let me let me shift here because I, I want to get into a little bit of uh, your your day job. Uh, through access, poten access human potential. Um, and because the majority of people listening to this are not our kids, because our kids all think we're nerds, um, I, I would like you to take a second and speak to parents that are listening uh, specifically about you know, the, the, the hot words, the keywords are fixed mindset, growth mindset, you know, for young athletes uh, to try and you know, the, uh, move forward. Speak to the parent side of that through your experience. What, how important is it for parents to hyper-focus on more of a growth mindset as opposed to getting in the car after the game, after the practice, and grinding the kid on, well, why'd you let that goal in? Or why did you, you know, why did you strike out? Or why didn't you do that? You know, all of the why didn't you or whatever it is. How important is it for parents to really reflect and look at more of the growth mindset uh, based on your experience? Yeah, so I think, and I think as a parent, um, I've had to adjust a lot. So a lot of the work that I've done over the last few years, I think has helped me gain perspective. Um, but I think as a parent, if you can look at athletics the same way you'd look at academics or you'd look at friendships or anything, um, 
you know, support is what you're trying to do. And, and a growth mindset is really about, um, you know, all the research kind of says, if I can really focus on effort and what I'm doing on an effort standpoint versus an outcome standpoint. So when you, you say, Hey, you know, Marin came home and scored three goals and you're like, Hey, that's awesome way to score three goals versus, Hey, your effort, the, you know, the way you were moving, the way you were picking up your teammates, those kind of things um, are really important. A lot of times we focus a lot as parents on what the outcome is and, and that it becomes a very fixed mindset because you can't control what the outcome is. And, the and you got, doesn't always tell the story, right? Like you can score yeah. a goal and it could be awful. <laughs> your yeah. effort could be awful. And and sometimes you don't, but you you can play your best game and the outcomes aren't always there on paper. Yeah. And and I, you know, I think like, you know, when it's natural to want to know more from your kids or want to kind of give them advice. And a couple of things that that I've worked with athletes on and then also with parents and coaches is, and I think Jen, you're familiar with this is where, you know, the questions you ask. So if, if you really want to ask questions, you know, then ask the questions around, you know, what did you do well? Like we, you know, I, I was working with a team and, and after every match we would say, okay, what did you do well? And they'd say A, B, or C. And then we'd say, okay, what do you wish you would have done? Or what could you have done a little bit better? Very, you know, and then it might be, you know, they might throw up telling you how much <laughs> they could do, right? Like I could have done this or I could have done that. And then it's like, okay, like, let's focus on one of those for the next time. Like, so maybe at practice, you need to kick with your left foot more because you didn't get a strong kick on your, you know, your left foot, you know, so that, that can help the parent who is like, but I really know they did some things they need to improve on. Right? I, I have a question for both of you <clears throat> as, as a parent, what do you say to the parent um, or to the kid that when you ask that question, you know, hey, what did you do well? And they immediately like rip off three things. But then you ask, you know, what would you have liked to improved upon or what, what do you wish you would have done differently? And in hindsight, objectively, maybe they did not have a good game, but they scored a goal or maybe they had a home run, but the rest of the game was subpar. What do you say whenever that child says nothing? <laughs> when you ask them, what would you improve upon? And they say nothing. You know, it was a good game because they're hyper-focusing on what they did do well. Is there a tip or trick? You know, again, I'm going to pose this to both of you. Um, what do you say to the obstinate one that isn't really being honest with the situation? You know, it's interesting. Um, I, the the athletes I, I deal with more are actually the reverse of that. So they're, they're the ones that will say only the things, right, they did wrong. But just to your point, it's about balance, right? So sometimes I've kind of tested this with my own kids is uh, it's like, okay, if you're going to give uh, like, just give me a pick a number, give me three. So if you're going to give me three, give me three that you want to work on for next time. Give me three that you thought you do well. And you can do more by the way, but you got to give me three. So I, I'll, I'll force them to like, you got to give me three. Like there's, there's so many easy from bench behavior to warm up to, you know, it doesn't have to be the game itself. Um, so that's kind of what, what I work with, but it's, it's interesting that you say that I don't get too often in the mindset work. <clears throat> Usually I work with athletes who are 
inordinately hard on themselves, right? They're, they can't tolerate failure. They, they expect perfection every performance. But I do have a 12-year-old boy who also thinks he's amazing. Mm. Kelly, you know, you've, you've seen him on Zoom. And so uh, he I will say, you know, yeah, he is amazing. But I will say, you know, that's awesome. Now I need three areas of improvement. Like, what do you think? You know, what do you know? How you know what you're going to work on next practice if you don't know what needs to be improved? And, and he'll think on it. How about you, Kelly? Yeah, so I think as a coach, yes, that's important. As a parent, I think unless it becomes a pattern, it's more of, okay, great. All right. What do you want for lunch or what do you want for dinner? Food and hydration. Food and hydration. Yeah. You, you kind of just move on and then then you note, okay, um, maybe maybe I need to get them to to kind of like get past their ego because a lot of times if kids are saying that and you know that there's stuff going on, it's an insecurity within them. So you can either kind of try to pull that insecurity out or you can try to say, um, you know, okay, that's what you see right now. And then maybe that's not the exercise you do with them after the game. But, but again, if you're parenting them and not coaching them, then it's more about, you know, as long as they're not like, well, Jen screwed up these three times. Like, that's what you try not like. That's where, as a parent, you know, I think you want your kid not to be blaming other people. Yeah. Um, but, but I think, you know, sometimes you can, like, if they're not ready to admit it, then by you kind of trying to point it out, it can be very, it can be detrimental. You know, you mentioned uh, when you do this work, I think I'm the same way. When you do this work, you find yourself changing a little bit uh, as a parent. I think it's also affected me in hopefully a good way. I wish I could go back and, and, and you know, start the first two kids and <laughs> parent a little bit differently. But because of this work and working with you and other people in this space, there's two questions I don't ask anymore um, of the kids. <clears throat> and they're outcome-based questions, of course, in, in the game. And, you know, change the, you can change the question for the sport, but I think they're basically the same. I don't ask them who won or the score. Right. And I don't ask them if they, um, if they scored. Um, and the reason is they're going to tell me. <laughs> so like of the easiest questions to answer, the, that's the first thing that, that they will come, you know, Harper will come home and tell me if she scored a great goal or if she had, played goalie and somebody scored on her because they're seven and nobody's really a goalie right now, right? I I will always know if they won or lost because they will tell me. So I try to frame my questions a little bit different. I figure those will come up um, to ask those process, like you said, process-based questions of like, you know, how how did you feel? What How was your effort today? Did you feel like 100%? Did you, were you tired? You know, how was your warm up? Was that good? You know, those kinds of things. Have you kind of found the same thing? Yeah. And, you know, and another thing that's come up because, um, you know, I, I've like, again, with my kids, they're all different sports. And so like my son now does golf and, and, you know, I just kind of let him do it because I'm not a golfer. And so I'm just like, Hey, did you have fun? Did you, you know, enjoy it? And he's not doing competitive golf right now. But um, one of the things like, that comes up more is and jb this is kind of like the opposite of it is is they have a bad game and they're devastated and like you don't know what to say to them mm -hmm. and so one of the things that 
And I think as a parent, I used to just feel bad because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to blow a game. I know what it's like to lose um, when you really want to win. Like I've, I've experienced all those. And so sometimes you're like, you just feel compassion and you don't know what to say. Um, but there are some things that you can say as a parent that can kind of help. And, and one of them is, is like, you know, did you get a little better today? And did you help someone else get better today? Like those are two kind of areas are great. Um, that can kind of, de you know, deflect. So I've tried to do that. Um, and then because I have all teenagers now in the house, <laughs> I was listening to this like teenager podcast or whatever. And um, the help me, I have teenagers podcast. <laughs> yeah. So the, the lady. Uh, no, I believe the, it's called, excuse me, sir. Another drink, please. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to that one after this one. Um, but they were talking about like, you know, when you're, um, I think we've talked about this with athletes too, is, is like trying not to fix it always trying to, to help them kind of just become aware. But she was saying that, you know, a really good thing to say to them is like, what can I do right now to not make it worse? Cause like, normally you'll say, like, do you want advice or do you want me to just listen? Like, those are two like really good things. Like when kids are like, like, you know, devastated or struggling after a game or, you know, in, in general, but I had never thought of this one, which was like, what can I do to not make it worse? Because I often <laughs> say things that make it worse. <laughs> Well, I don't, um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to know. <laughs> so this, 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 this conversation is reminding me, let me, quick story. Um, because Beckett, my middle plays with city Academy and they do a lot of mental training and true story. They were in uh, Baltimore last year. They're playing New York FC, big, big, big time game. They're ready. And in the previous game, they saw the footy access guys on the sideline. <clears throat> uh, they're the ones on Instagram that all the kids, like, you got to get on footy access. They'd seen the guy on the previous game and said, hey, come to our game. We're playing New York FC tomorrow. Check it out. Guy shows up. Well, game didn't go really well for our boys. And in one particular play, my son gets turned twice and the guy scores. And, you know, he didn't say much about it. Fast forward a little bit. My wife and I were sitting there talking about social media and, you know, don't worry about it if you get a couple hundred likes or if somebody gets likes on a, on a post that you don't look good on. It's not a big deal. And he goes, couple hundred? This has half a million views, mom. <laughs> and he just <laughs> laughed about it. And here's the moral of the story for me. Like this train, without that training, without these types of conversations, a half a million views of kids making fun of him for getting beat for a goal would have destroyed yeah. him a year ago, two years ago, whatever. So I think that framing these questions as far as like, you know, again, like Jen said, not, hey, did you score? Did you not score? It's like immediately, what do you want for lunch? You know, how you feel? You know, whatever. Yeah. Shift it because these kids, they will learn from that fast. And, you know, so I think the moral of my story is I just want to commend individuals like yourself that do these things because – that component of the game at every level, at every age group, is critical at this point because these kids are under incredible amount of stress that we didn't grow up under. I mean, we were all competitive, but it's not the same. Yeah, and it, it's interesting, I think, because um, I, Jen had mentioned, like, I do a lot of leadership development training on the corporate side and, and, and dealing with high-performing teams. And so when you look at high-performing teams, you know, you're – 
eight-year-old is playing on a high-performing team, right? Like the, the same the same things that you need at eight are the same things you need at 48. Um, they're a little bit different language and things like that, but you need, you know, commu good communication. You need, you know, empathy. You need accountability. Like, so if you have those things, any team is going to perform well. Um, but that mental piece and that piece of trying to fix things based on outcome is I think where mental performance is, is trying to make that change so that because you can't control the outcome. Like, you know, he probably had good plays in the game too, and those didn't make it on social media, but his no. one, you know, play that like, you know, is, is gonna be entertaining for people um, is going to, to make it on. And so having that perspective of like, you know, you're gonna learn from that. Like you can watch that, that can be part of your, like what I don't wanna do <laughs> the next time kind of a uh, thing, but I, I think that's where um, mental performance can make a big difference. And it's it's good to know that there's people like Jen out there and, and you know, they're doing it at all different levels. And Kelly and I have actually, um, well, we want to work together more, but we've actually done a training once for, for kids trying out. We did like a tryout seminar uh, for people that are getting ready to try out. I think it was the first spring um, and that was fun. So I enjoy her work very much, um, your work very much, Kelly. Uh, two things that I was thinking about as you were kind of talking. Um, one was a, a, a kid that I, she's probably 17 now, uh, but she was I think 15 at the time when we were working together. And she said, you know, I think, I think every high level athlete should be, should have to make low light reels. And I said, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, you know, we always, we're supposed to like cut highlight reels, but everybody has low lights. I think we should all get used to seeing low light reels of ourselves and everybody else. And I was like, okay, there's wisdom beyond her years um, as a reflection. But also when I was first, before I got to know you, you know, looking up on your website, Access Human Potential, I also remember asking you being interested in heart math is something that you've been trained in. And I think that you use in your training. Can you like... Is there like a quick thing that that parents or people can know about like what that is and if they're interested in it, what that might look like? Yeah, so heart math is a, um, it's a uh, like, it's a nonprofit company that is really focused on, I won't say this correctly, but it's focused on like conscious breathing and they, they um, do classes and they do programs around learning how to breathe consciously and bring kind of self-awareness into your body. And so as on the, from a stress management standpoint and an anxiety, man, anxiety management standpoint, for a majority of athletes, not all, but uh, a majority learning to control their breath and learning how to do conscious breathing is, um, is really important. And to get into a centered space for whatever you're doing, whether it's an interview or it's a, like, I, I just, we're just talking about soccer. I was working with a nonprofit out here. Um, it's called Football for Her. And we did something around emotions. Um, it's a great nonprofit if you guys haven't heard of, heard about it, but they, um, they're trying to bring football to, you know, uh, different audiences. And, and so it was sponsored by Angel FC. And so it's really good. But we were talking about like your, um, your emotions and how they kind of, you've got to kind of pause and stop. And so heart math is there's a bunch of different breathing techniques that they teach, but it's really around conscious breathing. And it's around learning how to 
um, have good heart rate variability, which is like kind of how your heart heart moves. And that helps your central nervous system. So it keeps you, it helps you kind of stay calm and helps you from a, um, there's, there's a platitude of health benefits, especially as you get older, but specific for kind of what we're talking about with athletes, it can kind of bring you to that calm level. So if you can practice conscious breathing prior to being in a stressful situation, it, it can help. And so, um, Breathwork's kind of been something that I've done a lot of research on. So I had gotten certified for uh, heart math and learning to teach conscious breathing and, and getting like, so if you're going into an interview, you know, you can do conscious breathing and set an intention of, you know, what a clear intention of what you're trying to do from an interview perspective so that you're not as nervous when you walk in. Can, um, yeah, you, can, you, you said a key point, though, is practice, right? Like, so you we can't just try to call on this in a moment where we're stressed. It's, it's, it's like a skill, like a skill you learn in softball or soccer. You practice that skill in a different state, and then you want it to use it in a game. So you have to practice that outside, right? Yeah, and, and it is. So there is a caveat, and, you know, it's one of those where um, not everyone feels comfortable doing, like, some people can struggle with breath work. If there's been trauma, there's there's a whole different variety. So like when I work with a team, um, I'll say, hey, try this. If it makes you feel uncomfortable or if you're not, you know, these things, then we can look at other ways, you know, whether it's a physical release or something that gets you um, feeling like you're in your body as opposed to out of your body. Most people do fine with breath work, but not everyone. Um, and it can create like stress and, and anxiety. So it's always something to be aware of. So I, I have a question, you know, maybe, maybe if you have like a tip or suggestion, because when I think of breath work, um, you know, kind of finding that Zen, that calm moment, et cetera, you know, I can completely understand it in the corporate environment, you know, in it, from a business standpoint where you have plenty of opportunity to pause, reset, refocus, et cetera. Uh, but shifting over into sports, sports uh, spectrum, you know, and you were talking about your son earlier, who he's a golfer. Golf is, to me, probably one of the sports that embodies that, the opportunity to do that more than any, because it's so singular, you control the start, the stop, etc. You know, when you're standing over the ball or preparing for a putt or whatever it is. But in the sports that we tend to lean into, uh, flow of play is a constant. And in fact, mm -hmm. pace of play is a, is a, is a, you know, the, the common saying, like, you got to keep your pace of play high. So in an yeah. environment in which pace of play is expected to be high, what are some things that an individual can think about, or, you know, maybe a little bit of a, uh, aha to try and, find that center to control breathing or, you know, what, whatever the, that particular goal might be. Yeah. So I, you know, in, so obviously when you're running all around, you can't be like doing conscious breathing. Like, um, we would so, all see that kid. You know, we would be like, we know that. Yeah, We'd kid. be like, what are you doing right now? There's the daisy picker. <laughs> I was going to say they no longer pick daisies, but they're sitting there like yeah. hand on your heart doing breath work. Um, <laughs> No. So, so, you know, some of it is that physical release like that, like tugging on your shorts, um, you know, tapping your shoulder, doing something that, um, you know, self-talk that brings you back in. Like if you feel like you're overhyped, you're, you know, getting too. Um, what's interesting is 
um, I just got done doing a football program and we were doing like the debrief and the coach was saying that one of the things that they saw was that like sometimes their energy was the coach's energy was so high and the kids needed the calming because they were um, they didn't respond as well to like the hype. So they were already so nervous or already kind of, you know, feeling a lot that, that they needed they needed more of a calming influence. And I think for coaches, that's something to be aware of is, does your team need to be hyped up or does your team need to kind of be calm? And so as a player, do I need to, um, you know, have something where I start to feel like I'm out of control? So I do something physical. Um, when there are breaks, you can do a, a quick breathing technique. Um, and I actually, I recommend it. So obviously penalty kicks, um, mm -hmm. free throws, a field goal kicker, um, a three-two pitch with the bases loaded for both a pitcher and a, and a hitter are kind of some of the like the most stressful um, experiences, right? So there's a breathing technique called the physiological sigh, that it's two inhales in and a long exhale out. It's like my favorite, <laughs> and you can do that very quickly. So ball goes out of bounds, and so they're going to get the ball for the throw-in. Your kids can do two quick rounds of a physiological side to keep their body like under control. You're getting ready to do a penalty kick as a goalie. You can kind of get yourself centered and, and more in your body by doing a physiological side. And, and basically it's just really important that it's through your nose and your stomach, like your diaphragm expands. And then it's a long exhale out. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, I just did yeah, it. Yeah, that's... I that's did, nice. You couldn't hear it, but I, I feel much... <laughs> yeah, and, I'm much and, more centered uh, right now. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is, so um, it's one of those, like, we can tell kids, hey, you need to take deep breaths or things like that, but sometimes they get embarrassed. And so you can do that without anyone even knowing, um, or you can over-exaggerate it, which I've had both. Um, yeah. And sometimes they even, don't know how to do yeah, it. They, they take deep breaths. What does that mean? Well, and even with huddles, like, you know, when the ball goes out of, you know, there's an injury on the, on the ground and you see everyone go over to the coach, right. Or, or they huddle up, you can do a quick, you know, a quick breath work just to get yourself centered. Ideally though, breath work is more about the practice. Like what Jen said is the more that you can kind of, you know, whenever you're in ang anxious situations, it's hard to do strategies. You just have to rely on your, your body. So you try to do these, that's why you try to do mindfulness or, you know, meditation or, you know, anything that kind of keeps you present. So when you're stressed or when something's happening, it's easier to get back to that baseline. You know, before we run out of time, I just want to bring up when you said it, I thought of it immediately uh, when you were talking about coaches, right? Having their hype level, their hype number, which is mm -hmm. hype again for, is like about your emotional arousal, right? Are you, like a weightlifter is going to be at a very different hype level than a golfer, right? Because of their different skills, because of what the sport needs. But not only coaches, parents, right? We as parents, um, and I say we, I'm pointing to myself as I talk as well. I've worked with athletes before um, who sometimes have, I've literally had an athlete who rather would rather drive to a game with one parent versus the other because of how the pregame ride was or postgame ride, but pregame in this particular instance, I knew the parents, um, the best of intentions were there, right? But one particular parent 
was much more nervous, was much more like, okay, we be ready to do this and be ready to do that and be ready and be ready. And so it just created a lot of anxiety for the athlete who was attuning to the, to the parent's nervousness versus the other parent who was just like, we're just going to play some tunes, hope you have a good game, have some fun, right? Like more chill. And just how important when you said that about coaches, I'm like, ah, that's us too, right? Like our athletes might, our kid athletes could attune to what we are on that car ride. I'm usually yelling at a kid for spilling stuff on the floor of the van or forgetting their cleats. So my hype level might be different for that, <laughs> that reason. But Well, so it's, it's interesting because like a lot of times you'll hear people be like, oh, the parents are trying to live vicariously through their kids. But it's actually kind of a psychological phenomenon that you, it's like a, a mirroring technique or something where, so self-awareness of how you're acting can help. <clears throat> but it's almost like when you're watching you know, a fight or like if you've watched football games where someone's gotten injured really badly and everyone's like, oh, like you feel it. And that's kind of what happens as parents when you're watching your kids play and you get so invested that it kind of, it's almost like you're playing and you don't, it's not the intention that you're thinking that, but it's kind of an emotional and a psychological connection of like, I'm, you're almost feeling like, oh, I just kicked that ball out of bounds as opposed to, you know, kicking it in the goal. Like the goal was wide open. How do you kick it out of bounds? Or, um, so I think that, that self-awareness and learning how to kind of separate, um, I told you my daughters are both in cheer. My youngest is a flyer and I didn't really know much about the sport and it's a, it's a tough, tough sport, but I couldn't, I had to do breathing to just be able to watch and sometimes with one eye open because I was like, every time they did something, I'm like, is she going to fall? Like, is, is this going And I was a mess. <laughs> is is like, my deductible paid up? And I'm like, oh my, what is like you? And then I started to, I started to pay attention to the technical piece. So I was like, no, there's no way she can fall there you know, and so it's gotten a little bit better, but she's like, why don't you want to watch it practice? I'm like, I cannot, I'm going to go run the track. I cannot watch it practice. I couldn't watch. And I said, I am sorry, but it was too, like, it was too, uh, I was like, I, I had fear and I was like, I don't want to bring that energy to you to until her. I can figure out right. how to, right. you know, and it was ridiculous. Like, they were like not even that high up. I, I was just, I was a mess. <laughs> so, I'm like, give me hormones me, and biology. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, give me someone who drives in the lane and gets like their head taken off. I'll be like, I can, I can handle that, but I can't handle them being thrown up. So, wow, wow, wow. little insight. Sorry. <laughs> no, all good. I, I remember actually us having that conversation when when she was at a particular meet and and the flying and and that kind of thing. Yeah, when your kids doing all kinds of things that literally could cause any sport, right? Can cause injury, but some of them are a little bit more concerning than other injuries. And that's hard to watch. And then to know that you're trying to protect her, right? Trying to protect her energy because you know, my energy's off. So you got to do that. And then, you know, you think about that just as parents on, you know, getting ready uh, this past weekend, uh, my son wrestled in a tournament and, God, for that, just, just, it's just a two minute bout. It's not very long. And I need a professional massage after like watching what he went through. And, and then when he comes, you know, between he's, you know, he's faced off with one person and he's going to come back. And I'm like, I have to remind myself, like, this isn't like, this isn't literally your fight. <laughs> this is his, this is his. And to like, 
try and, you know, know when to be rah-rah and then also to know when to be chill, to be like, what does he need from me in that moment? It can be kind of hard to figure that out when you're also in your own emotions from the, the thing. Well, and Jen, I think, I mean, this is kind of a lot of the work that we both do is, you know, what do you, what can you control and what can't you control? And I think for parents, like JB to ask, like one of the things parents can do is, is make a list of like, what can you control and what can't you control? And during games and after games, are you focused on all these uncontrollables? And that's usually when you're being, um, you're not, you're not really feeling good about yourself and you're not really helping your kid feel better. So if you're focusing on a lot of the uncontrollables, which is super hard. I mean, in a perfect world, we only focus on what we can control and we let go of everything else. Um, but sometimes just the self-awareness as a parent of like, I'm focused on all these things that they're not going to change tomorrow and we really don't have control over them. So let's focus on what we can control, which is like, let's go to lunch because we can control that. Right. right? Priorities. Kelly, this has been awesome. Really appreciate your time. Um, for our listeners, if they wanted to peep at the services, give you a follow, connect with you, uh, what's the best platform? Where do you prefer it? Is it website? Is it LinkedIn or all of the above? Um, probably all of the above. So uh, my website's accesshumanpotential.com. Um, you can find me, Kelly Oberly. So on LinkedIn. And, and I've seen you being productive. More pro I was like, oh, I need to follow suit. You've been more productive. JB, you'll appreciate this on making reels and, you know, kind of little videos that the kids are telling us we need to do. I have not delved into that, but I, Kelly, you have. I'm like, she's my hero. <laughs> no, let, let me just tell you, I am learning how, like, I will never be overconfident with two teenage girls and a teenage boy looking at my reels and explaining to me how I, I'm not what I need to be. So JB, you you delved into that world. Well, I mean, it's I'm I'm the ultimate hypocrite because I mean that's what I do for other people. And then we have our platforms and it's like this is dumb. So I've I've leaned into it. I, I just try to have fun with it. Like you know, but we, wasn't it your kids that told you your son? One of your sons said you got You got to do that. Yeah, you don't exist if you're not on reels. And I'm like, oh, really? Well, your your bed exists, and I pay that mortgage. So <laughs> it's like, no, I mean they are right though. I think you know for really all three of us and anybody listening that is any type of an entrepreneur, business person, etc. If you are not active on socials, specifically with video, to a certain degree, you know because. The consuming public is lazy. They do not want to read. They do not want to go digging. They don't want to go searching for data. So if you have a nice little video that like they can listen <laughs> and do less, the engagement's incredible. So that's my PSA for the day. <laughs> oh, and one thing to leave you with that I just learned about was since it's snow globe season, right? Especially mm, yeah. like little snow globes. Not not um, where or, you're at. It <laughs> <laughs> put sand in there. You put sand in yeah, there. Yeah. Sand globe. Um, but there's or a glitter jar. It's a great visual for like when um, for coaches, for parents, when you're um, and even for yourself is like when you start to feel your emotions get all like up and you can't, you know, something just happened and you feel super anxious or su super like upset. If you think about like shaking a snow globe and everything's like floating around and you can't see straight, 
if you can just pause and let that come down. So that's almost like why they do the 24 hour rule with coaches um, and maybe parents can have that 24 hour rule too. If, if that snow globe is um, like all shaky right now, which is a lot of times after a game, then just let it settle before, so that everyone can have a good conversation. Two two steps ahead That's of great. you, Kelly. I do that with pints of beer, and I wait for the oh. head, the the foam to settle. <laughs> it's just a perfect amount of time <laughs> to take deep breaths. <laughs> I'm gonna try that. <laughs> and or, and you can... and you can look at the bottom too because the bubbles going up. Those go up for a long, hey, long time. Hey, that's an appropriate so. <laughs> analogy for the workplace or athletes 21 and older. <laughs> hey, it's New Year's Eve. Last last question before uh, we all get out of here. Uh, number one, do either of you believe in resolutions? And two, if you do, what what's yours for tomorrow? Oh, right, because the sucker's going to drop in the New Year. Kelly, you're our New Year's, oh, you're oh. Our New Year's drop. So you Kelly, first. you're first. Do you believe yes, do you believe I, in first. resolutions? And then JB, you um, have to go too. You don't always get to ask the you he always yeah. does this. He asks the questions of me and the guests. I'm like, no, I'm gonna get him too. So I'm so I just did actually a post about um is it one day or day one? And so I, saw that. Like, I think I think the new year is a great time to start like a resolution. Um, so I don't, but I don't really, I struggle with resolutions because they feel long-term and I kind of try to stay like where my feet are at because <laughs> if I look too far, it gets crazy. Um, but my, I want to lean into curiosity, um, and be curious. I I've tried to do that this year and I want to continue like some, I guess that would be my new year's resolution is to try to continue to be curious because I think a lot of our struggles are when we're not curious and we just assume. And so I'm trying to live by what I believe in. And so I'm yeah, going to cool. try to, that's what mine is. Jen. That's a good one. I want to steal that. So I, I'll do that one too. And, um, I don't, I'm not really into the giving up kind of a deal. Like I feel I'm, I've got four kids. My I give resolution up a lot. is to take uh, yeah. more. I'm like, taking yeah, I'm gonna, more of my Your whole life is about giving up. <laughs> I really like, I'm going to, I think that I want to, um, there's, there's a take care, take better care of myself, honestly. And, and, and I know it feel it for me and the way I was raised and, and, and it could be women as well in general. we we're often trained to be take care of others and it's it's time you know to kind of pull in and and just whether it's it doesn't have to be the same thing every day whether it's a 30 second of just some quiet time to the self or something to take care of myself or something that where i can be more present for the people around me because i've chosen to take that just a small bit of time and be conscious of it too to 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 say in this moment or in these moments or for this half an hour or whatever that looks like, I'm going to do something for me now. And, and to also call it out so that I like, I'm taking care of me right now, just like I'm going to go and take care of four kids who come from mm -hmm. school and are they locked? Hours. Are they locked in that closet behind you? Is there, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. They're all back there. here. No, if they were, you would hear them. <laughs> I, I feel like yeah. we should call someone. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was awesome. I really thank you both for your time. Um, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! What's yours? Oh, uh -uh. uh, okay. Uh, well, first, let me let me lead with. Don't do res resolutions, New Year stuff. Uh, I'll go back to my childhood. My grandpa, one year because we were there on New Year's Day, I asked him, "What's your resolution?" He goes, "Well, I'm going to wake up 
tomorrow and I'm going to be better than I was the next day. <laughs> so, and I, and it took me a long time to figure it out. And it was basically, he, he didn't believe in resolutions either. He's like, just be a better person every single day mm-hmm. and make that in perpetuity. So that's kind of since I was, I don't know, 11, it's been my ongoing resolution. Just try and be better tomorrow is really what it means. So there you go. that's what I'm going to do. Good. I'm going to keep that going. Well, thank you guys. And thank you, Kelly. You you know that you've been on my shortlist for a while. And so I'm so glad it worked out. Yeah, I appreciate you, you listening too. You know, it's, uh, it's fun to hear that our zip codes keep expanding, but I'm not surprised <laughs> that it was from a 314, you know, out on the West Coast. So. <laughs> well, have I'll, I'll see if I can expand and I'll get some other people trying oh, that, to, to listen. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be thank great. you very much. <laughs> Kelly, have a great new year and we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thank you.